Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Welcome to the first Sunday of our I Love My Church series, where we are going to all month long be talking about the mission of adventure and uh, three specific strategies for adventure. And you're going to see how, as a congregation, we're going to make decisions, how we're going to go forward and bring Jesus hope to an imperfect world. And uh, I hope that uh, if you haven't seen it yet, you've seen our new logo and our I Love My uh, Church shirt. And if this morning you're here and you would just admit that you're freezing cold this morning uh, or you're with someone that is freezing cold, I'd like to ask you to raise your hand because I want to make certain they get a shirt this morning. Is that person here? I'll go to the first hand I saw is in the back. You, would you stand? So I have, would you stand for me? The per, you, Myla, that was you. This is coming to Myla. So if anyone, can, can you catch? I can't throw. So, so here we go. It's coming to you, Myla. Okay. If you get injured, if you get injured, would you not hold us liable? It's just a t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry about that. Wow. There's a gifted arm. Put that guy on. Uh, that's a right fielder for you. <laughs> But uh, we, we, uh, we apologize for the heat this morning. Obviously, if we could do something about it, we would. If we'd been smart enough, we would have realized this happens every year. But we're just not good enough yet. So we apologize, and, and we'll started working on that this morning. We want to bring hope to your family. We want to bring hope to your year. Uh, and I, I know this Christmas, I experienced a little hopelessness. I know what it's like to feel a little depressed. I'm not kidding. I did something unusual this Christmas between... Uh, between our uh, services on the 27th and today, I played golf three times this week. I just thought, why not play golf? I hadn't played. I hadn't played in a, over a couple years, and I thought it's time to get out there and, and uh, swing some sticks. So I went out, and I was bad, and I, was, I played with a couple, one, let me see, I think two, two twosomes and one uh, foursome. And I was at River Oaks in, I think it was a par three, uh, I think it was a hole six, and I got stuck in a sand pit, and I was there, I was there in that sand pit with my pitching wedge, and I could not get out of it for three strokes, and it turned into an 11 hole, 11 stroke hole for me, and I'm not kidding, I was with friends, and they were gracious, they were just quiet, no one wanted to talk about the guy who was falling apart. They were, no one wanted to talk, no one wanted to say anything, but I'm like, I will never catch these guys. And I was right. But I, I got out of the hole eventually. I just finally decided, instead of trying to put it into the, onto the green, just get out of the sand pit. I got out and then later had a, a couple nice drives and then maybe one par. It seems like I got one par on that day. And all of a sudden, my hope quotient went up. I got a little hope that someday I might learn to avoid the sand pit and save myself three or four strokes. Uh, have you had that kind of experience where, hey, I'm behind. I'm, I know I'm blowing it. I, I need some hope that I can get through this next season of my life. Uh, the author of the book, The Hope Quotient, uh, Ray Johnson, pastor of Bayside of Granite Bay, writes that uh, he was connected to a nationally known psychologist who was having a high success rate at helping couples stay together, especially couples who were really at odds, even warring against one another, uh, had already made decisions to separate and were in process for divorce. 
this psychologist was just having some real success at helping couples uh, look deeper within and see if there might be hope for their marriage. And uh, he said, he was having tremendous success at this, and uh, Ray asked him, what's the key? And he says, the key is giving them 10% more hope. If I can just give them 10% more hope in their situation, it gives them the kind of catalyst they need to take those steps of faith forward. And what is true in marriage is true with finances. It's true with health and fitness. It's true with uh, your um, spiritual life, your relationship with God. If you can just have 10% more hope, we think that you're going to be able to really move forward. And in any area of your life, and I've experienced it spiritually, I've experienced it as it relates to my health and fitness, um, I've experienced it professionally, I've experienced it as it relates to my family, that a little more hope will move you forward and help you go a direction on a trajectory that without hope you may not have ever gotten. Uh, this morning we're going we're gonna to discover that, uh, that man, man can easily lose hope in fact, one of Jesus' co-workers said that, uh, that for common man, they're without hope. And, you know, we live in a culture, a global viral culture, that echoes a lot of hopelessness. And I want to tell you today that I think that hope is the beginning of everything. Uh, although not on the screen behind me, the Apostle Paul wrote that first comes faith, then hope, then love. The greatest of these is love. We often forget that our God is not just the God of love, as the Apostle John said. He's not just the God of all compassion, as Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. He also is the God of all hope. Romans chapter 12, verse, uh, I think it's 13, indicates this. And uh, this isn't where we're going to remain this morning. It's where we're going to start. We're going to end up in Acts chapter 27. But in Romans Chapter 15, rather, in verse 13, Paul says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Wow, what a great springboard, what a great launch pad, what a great starting point for 2016. Uh, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. And who's him here? If you read the previous references to that pronoun, it's Jesus Christ. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Jesus Christ, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's not just trusting in Jesus that gives us peace and joy. There is this anticipation of overflowing with hope by the power of God's Spirit, that you can be a, a person that believes that there is hope in any situation. I'm going to show you a situation in Acts chapter 27 that will really uh, exemplify how we can have hope in dire situations, uh, which one you may be facing uh, even now. Uh, but I want to begin with just this verse, just kind of letting this settle. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to start there and just take a moment now before we 
continue in this, uh, this presentation of praying for our year. And uh, I'm going to ask that this be left on the screens. It'll take a couple slides. And I'm going to give you a moment just to pray right now from where you're seated. And then I'll uh, close us in prayer for the new year as we start even right now. Bow, bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, we read in your word that you are the God of hope and you want to fill us with joy and peace as we trust in your son Jesus so that we will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And no doubt many of us here are very hopeful for this year, but it's not without some anxiousness about maybe finances Anxiousness about uh, our children's development. Anxious about our work that you've given us. Anxious, perhaps, about uh, our health and fitness. And we just ask that you would fill us with hope as we trust in Jesus. Right now, from where you're seated, just convey to God your trust in Christ. Ask God to fill you with the peace and joy that accompanies hope. Just say, fill me with your peace and joy. Ask God to fill you with, uh, with the overflowing power of the Holy Spirit that comes from hope. Fill me with your power, Lord. That's bigger than me. Help us know, God, that there's always hope in Jesus. Even when times are tough, we can trust in your plan, that you're working through us. In Jesus' name. All the adventurers said, amen, amen. Happy 2016. That's a great place to start because uh, we need to just remember that our God is the God of hope. And maybe you're here today and you've never made a decision to place your trust in the hymn we were referencing. That is Jesus. You've never said, hey, I'm going to trust in Jesus Christ, the one who died a substitutionary death on that cross for us uh, a little over uh, uh, or about 2,000 years ago. And maybe you will make that decision today. Or maybe, maybe you're ready for the next step of trusting him in Christian baptism and learning more. If that describes you, let us know on your Connect card. Make a note if you would. Uh, we want to follow up on that decision. Uh, hope is built on faith in Jesus. Hope is built on faith in Jesus. This is more than, you know, kind of the, the kind of hope that, you know, the Raiders are going to go to the Super Bowl. This is, this is hope that is, uh, that's deeper than that. Uh, this is hope, that was fun, this is hope that uh, more than, you know, this idea that you're going to win the lottery, this is a hope that is, um, that is uh, deeper than just walking into a final, assuming you're going to know the, all the answers without studying. Uh, this is a hope that's built on reason. And I had a chance to call one of our former adventurers uh, last week, uh, Bob Holland. Bob and Ellie used to serve at Adventure and then moved to Fresno, now they're in... Um, Pennsylvania, 
And Bob shared with me that as a Northrop engineer, uh, lifelong, I think 25 or 30 years, he really struggled with uh, spiritual reasoning. He viewed life as being lower and logical. And the upper, the upper uh, room of thinking, more spiritual, he couldn't reconcile them. And as an engineer, that was tough for him. Sometimes in church, he said it was just tough. I would hear you talk about Jesus and putting faith in him, and I struggled to connect the two uh, as an engineer. And he said, one time I heard uh, Zach Samuel Burnett, who used to be with Adventure, and now he and his wife live in uh, the Denver area. Uh, Zach is a former uh, U-2 pilot, and Zach shared his testimony of how he learned to trust in the God of the cosmos, the God of the, uh, of the heavens. And Zach used to fly it, they say, about 70,000 feet in that U-2 spy plane, reconnaissance plane. And he was able to reconcile this kind of lower, um, linear um, engineer training and education that he had with the unknown, with the spiritual, the metaphysical, the stuff you cannot always touch and feel. And... Uh, This reminds me that our faith is based on reason. Uh, Faith, hope is built on faith in Jesus, and faith in Jesus is built on reason. You don't have to leave your brains at the door when it comes to following Christ at all. In fact, to the total contrary. You're asked to think. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. Now, for those of you that that are, are... Skeptics, and you're like, hey, you know what? I, I'll be honest, I don't fully connect with the upper uh, room of thinking. It, it just doesn't work for my mind. I want to challenge you then to be an honest skeptic uh, and dive into some books that will help bridge or create a stairway between the lower and upper rooms of your mind. Um, the linear and maybe more abstract areas of your mind, I would challenge you to read some uh, Lee Strobel. Read some C.S. Lewis. Read one of the renowned um, apologists of Christianity who's going up against uh, guys in the Richard Dawkins arena. Read some William Lane Craig. Um, And let these guys speak to your mind. Uh, We're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind and strength. So dive in. I challenge you. Others of you that are with me, that you're you're able to see that that we can uh, love Christ with our mind, uh, you're already there. And I just want to challenge you this year to do what I've been doing for five years and what lots of Christ followers nationwide have been doing, to really build... Their hope quotient, they do it by investing their mind on a regular basis in the scriptures. And I appreciate Jeremy this week. He posted several different uh, tools that you can use on our Adventure Facebook account that you can use to walk through the Bible this year. And I want to challenge you to read through either the Psalms this year, read through the New Testament this year, read through the Old Testament If you're really feeling like you're intimidated, read through Proverbs. There's 31 of them Uh, this year. Read through the Bible this year. Make a commitment to do it uh, as just often as you can. (laughs) Do it more often than you don't do it. (laughs) How's that? And you'll be amazed at how it will build your faith. 
And you'll be amazed at how the scriptures, as you read them, the Holy Spirit will prompt you in certain areas of your life and affirm counsel and teaching and guidance that he's trying to give you. He'll give you the right words, the right direction throughout your whole year. You'll feel tremendous comfort. And I always try to get into the word early in the, in the morning so that I don't reply to a text or an email or say something stupid until I've, which is easy, until I've let the word get in. And when it does, I just find that it, it gives me a great, much more self-control over the toughest mus- muscle I have to, to use, and that's my tongue. The Word helps me with that so much more. Your faith will be considerably built up this year by your trust in Jesus Christ and the regularity of this spiritual diet. Again, go to our Facebook. There's several versions that you can use. Hope overflows also when we're on mission. Now, if you don't mind turning to Acts chapter 27, uh, I want to tell you that in this passage, we have a chance to see hope uh, tested. Acts chapter 27, it, the New Testament, it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And you're going to see Jesus' most valuable co-worker, Paul, who is on in a ship uh, from Alexander. That's the Egypt area, Alexandria, and is on its way to Rome. And Paul's on this ship with... Uh, with some officers and also some other inmates, a passenger list that includes 276 souls, and they are losing some hope, and they have good reason to feel like they're losing hope. It's dark, they can't see, and they're headed for this island, the island of Malta. You can see the welcoming, um, the very welcoming cliffs on Malta. Ignore the golf course on the top there. It, it's a more modern day picture, uh, but they were intimidated by what they couldn't see, and they were rightfully intimidated. Sometimes uh, Jesus will allow us to face daunting, um, daunting cliffs, and we have to have a faith, a growing faith, with a hope in Him. And I want to just pick up in the story that uh, that Luke, the author, catches. In Acts chapter 27, and I want you to see how our hope is tested, how their hope was tested. I'm going to pick up in verse 20 of Acts chapter 27. Here it is. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. Wow. Thanks for coming today. Have a great 2016. I mean, look at that. We gave up all what? hope of being saved. That's, that's Luke writing. That's the doctor writing. We gave up all hope of being saved. But God wasn't done. Always give God space, especially when it's cold and you can't see. And the men had gone a long time without food. Rather, after the men had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God whose I, who, whose I am and whom I serve stood beside me and said this. And he says it to you this morning. Do not be afraid. Paul, you must stand before Caesar And God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage. 
men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as you told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. It's, it's, the passage is all about not losing hope. Paul says, Paul says, an angel came to me and said, do not be afraid. And I would encourage you tonight, this morning, tonight, if you feel like it's night, uh, I would encourage you this morning, if you're facing some unknown, do not be afraid. Because God has you on a mission. Everything that works together for God's people works together for the good. He works everything together for the good because you're on his plan. You're on his roadmap, his GPS. If you're facing something unknown, don't be afraid. Uh, Be strong and courageous because you're on God's plan. Um, I think it's important to understand that when, when... we're on mission, hope overflows. Hope overflows when we're on mission. Hope overflows when we're on mission. Paul here is on mission. He's, he's doing what God has called him to do. He's in the, in the, in the ship where he was supposed to be. He appealed uh, for a, to Caesar because he was wrongfully being uh, arrested and beaten. And he used the law to defend himself. And God had led him to this ship. He was doing exactly what he felt he was supposed to be doing. He even spoke his mind to the officers of the ship that they shouldn't be sailing, which I think took some courage as a prisoner. Uh, And then he said, and I told you so, which also took more courage. But he was comforted by the fact that, hey, I'm on mission. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Find comfort while you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. It's the safest place, not only for you, It's a safe place for those who are with you. Look at the words of comfort the Holy Spirit gives Paul. He says, hey, not only are you going to get to Rome and and get to appeal before Caesar, that's part of my plan, the Holy Spirit says, I'm also entrusting to you the souls that are on board. Who is going to benefit because you were on mission? I was talking to Adam and Candy, Castorini, this morning. They're in their early 50s. And they've committed to, they've committed the golden years of their life to help young marrieds, to help midlife marrieds, to help anyone who wants to grow in their marriage and family life. And they, in the last year, they've had a number of opportunities, not only to work with 20-somethings who are engaged, but also to work with 30-somethings and 40-somethings who are wanting to disengage and separate, and divorce. And they step in and let the Holy Spirit use them, and God's giving them success. In my, I was telling Adam this morning, what a great example of how, while you're on mission, God is saving lives around you. Some of you are in this service because somebody reached out and said, why don't you come in here? Hear the message of Jesus' hope. Come to church with me. When you're on mission, you are positioned to save lives. What lives has God entrusted you with? And I think it's my own kids. Uh, Make certain that when one's going out the door, hey, drive safe. Keep it at 20 miles an hour in the neighborhood. Love you. See you soon. They're the people God's entrusted us with. If you're doing the read through the Bible plan, uh, today or yesterday, you read about how Noah was entrusted with his family alone. 
when those are the people, the souls you've been entrusted with. By the way, it's not unusual even to hear air traffic control when referencing the passengers on a commercial airline. They will ask the question, how many souls on board? Isn't that interesting? <laughs> how many souls on your ship? How many souls in your home? Who are the souls God's entrusted you with? Uh, every soul matters. He had, Paul was given an opportunity uh, not only to provide leadership to this ship, but to direct them and save souls. And let me ask, or let me encourage you, if you're facing some big decisions this year, ask yourself the question, how is my decision going to affect the souls that God has entrusted me with? How, is, how are my decisions affecting the souls, the lives of people that God has entrusted us with? Ironically, God steps in uh, and he provides something that the, uh, this crew didn't imagine. He provides this beautiful uh, bay. This is called St. Paul's Bay on the island of Malta that is traditionally considered the location of where uh, Paul, Jesus' co-worker, and his shipmates all landed. As Elizabeth Brushweiler comes forward to share her story, let me just ask you, how many of you would say, hey, I'm in for Malta. That looks pretty good this summer. It, I'll show you a little bit later. It's a beautiful, beautiful island that uh, I want you to have a chance to see. I'm asking uh, Miss Elizabeth Brushweiler, why don't you put your hands together for this lady? Great gal. Uh, asking her to come forward today because she shared a story with my wife and I um, at the reception area of Kaiser Morse. Uh, last summer was still hot. I remember we ran into each other and... Uh, we met in the lobby, and she had just come from a doctor's appointment uh, for a staff member that she had worked with for uh, 14 years, and uh, her name's Amy, and I'm just going to ask you, tell us about Amy and how you got to know her. Elizabeth, welcome. Great to see you. Uh, Amy and I first met uh, when we actually were pregnant with our sons, who are now 13. Uh, we met at work. Uh, she had recently left her husband uh, for the safety of her family and uh, was a single mom working uh, as a therapy aide um, at our clinic. She was a great mom. She made lots of, uh, lots of sacrifices for her kids. Um, we had lots of great heart-to-heart conversations at work about raising kids and the highs and lows of having teenagers. And uh, I enjoyed watching her kids uh, grow up. What a first let me just pause. What a gift to have 14 years with one coworker. That's pretty unusual for uh, Californians. How did Amy get sick? What happened? Well, it was July last summer, and she came to work, and we noticed her eyes were yellow. And uh, she was feeling fine, but we said, why don't you call the doctor? Um, two weeks later, we found out she had cancer. Um, and then uh, I went with her to the doctor's appointment, actually, the day I saw Scott, and we found out she had a very, very rare form of liver cancer. And he told her that there was no treatment. And um, she had two good days after that and then passed away just a few days later. Wow. She passed away, and she survived by a large family. Tell us a little bit about her beautiful family. You can see them on the screen behind us. Uh, so Amy's oldest daughter is Dee. She's uh, 21. She's, a, she's an amazing leader. She actually recently took over Amy's job um, as, a, as our therapist aide. Mia's 20. She just graduated from medical assistant school and is looking for a job. If any of you know of a job, yeah. 
Um, Ayana's 16. She's our thinker. She processes it all. She listens, but she doesn't say much. It is. I mean, you're dealing with a young family who's lost their mom, and they had uh, they've been without a father for quite a few years. He's been incarcerated um, for some uh, some stuff that's just really icky. It's an icky, icky, icky situation, and God puts you right in the middle of it for 14 years. And then her, her youngest, Diani, he's 13, and uh, he's a sweet, kind boy, and he's just looking forward to playing football uh, once he reaches high school. Great, great um, story. And when we were at that doctor's appointment, when he gave us the grim news, uh, she looked at her daughter, she looked at Dee and said, I, I need you to take care of your kids, because <laughs> there's, there's no one else in their family. Yeah. And we had, when we met you at Kaiser, you just left that appointment, is that right? I, uh, she was not doing well, so they were giving her some fluids, and she wanted soup. So I left to find Thai chicken soup. <laughs> okay. Okay, tell us about how people showed up. Because as soon as she was diagnosed with liver cancer, a very rare cancer, she didn't have much time. What was the, what was the projected time? It was so, I mean, really that day, it was a Wednesday, and he was, you know, they said there's no, there's no, there's no chemo, there's no radiation, there's nothing we could do. Um, they, they wouldn't give us a, a timeline, but we knew it was quick. Um, we, we hired an attorney right away to try to get some guardianship papers done, which actually didn't happen um, before she passed away. But people stepped up. I mean, people brought meals, people donated food, people... One of my coworkers took the kids back to school shopping because it was right about that time. Another coworker took them to get registered for, for school. Um, Dion actually turned 13 the day after Amy's memorial service. So uh, people brought gifts. Uh, about a month later, uh, Ayana turned 16. And I put a Facebook post up, and actually several of you uh, gave her cards and gift cards for her birthday. Awesome. Love yeah. to hear it. <laughs> um, so I'm, you know, I'm really thankful and proud of our community and the way that people um, have stepped up to support them. Love it. Say that one more time. That's good to hear. <laughs> You're really what? Proud. Yeah, it's great. Okay, God has put a, a call to bring hope on the Brushweiler family to this family. How's he calling you to serve? How's, how's this going to happen? Well, I, I feel like we've been called for the long haul. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of needs at the beginning, and those are super important. But, you know, Dion's 13, and so I feel like there's going to be a long time that these kids are going to continue to need support. Um, you know, I felt like I've known them since they were little. Mom and I would talk at work and, you know, talk about the stories. I'd see the kids at work with their mom, but they're really just starting to get to know me and my family well. Um, it's going to take them some time to trust us. They haven't trusted a lot of people. A lot of people have left, so it'll take some time for us to build that relationship and... We, uh, so I called, actually, I called Rochelle Dittmore. Good. <laughs> I'm like, well, how do I support these kids? How do I keep them safe? Like, what do I do? And she said, like, you just need to be there. You need to let them know that you're there for them no matter what. So that's what I do. I call. I text a couple times a week, all of them, check in. They went to our house for dinner a couple times. Um, we, uh, Christmas week, we went to Bayside service. And then we came back, and this is actually what this is from. We made gingerbread houses together, just a silly, goofy thing, and had dinner together. And um, my, we, you know, Diagene and I, we went to family court um, when she got um, full custody of her, of her siblings. We're meeting with a financial planner to set up a budget. Um, she's 21. Uh, 
I feel like I want our family to be consistent and bring consistent love and hope because yeah. I just haven't had that. And I feel very overwhelmed and unprepared to do this. It's such a different situation. I never expected. I don't know. I feel very inadequate. I don't know what to do, how to be helpful. So I'm just there. Nice. I love that. In just a few minutes, we're going to participate in communion. And uh, as we get ready for that, I, I want to say I love the fact that, um, I mean, I know you, Elizabeth, you're a sharp gal, you're a leader in our community. And yet for you to say, I don't know what to do except be there. And sometimes the truth is when families are going through trauma, we don't know what to do. Uh, even with uh, the Gomes family at Adventure that's suffering this, uh, this time of year, uh, having lost their 14-year-old daughter, Kiara, a couple weeks ago, uh, we don't know what to do. What do you do? Just be there. <laughs> Just show up in any way. Don't worry about your words. Uh, just let people know you love them. It, they'll never forget who showed up. And uh, you can, by showing up, it makes all the difference in the world. And giving these young people an experience in a home where it's safe. You know, there's, there's no, uh, nothing, nothing that's going to be, uh, uh, um, it'll be totally different experience for them. Uh, we asked Elizabeth to come and share because... What God's doing through her and Greg and their children, Abby and Josh, it's what we want to see God do through all adventurers. Uh, our vision is that our church family will become a church that is all individually hope-bringing. Our mission is to bring Jesus' hope to an imperfect world. And this was an imperfect situation. <laughs> Not that our homes are perfect either, but this is one that I think reflects... Uh, a high per capita number of families in Sacramento. This is what it means to really bring Jesus hope in our community. And we want you to prayerfully consider this kind of mission. We've asked you, the, the way you become aware of things like this is that you make a commitment uh, to our adventure milestone. <laughs> and this isn't just, you know, uh, signature adventure. This is what is needed for all American Christ followers. It's doing life with the people that you do work with, doing life with the people that are your neighbors, and making bold moves. Um, we want to see half of our church, we think that's realistic, doing life with, that means spending time outside of work hours, spending time uh, with our neighbors in the front yard, around the kitchen island, um, around a project, so that when something like this happens, you're poised and you're ready to be able to do something that's significant. And uh, I want to take a moment, and, uh, in, and as we get ready for communion, and I just want to pray for this family. Um, could you pronounce their last name for me, just for fun? Pumparkti. The Pumparkti family. And uh, I want to pray for them. I want to pray for Dion. Uh, Dion attended the Bayside services and raised his hand to make Jesus the leader of his life. And... Uh, Jesus is bringing him hope. There's hope there. Let's pray. Would you join me? Praying for the family. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we get to be entrusted with the most valuable asset, the most valuable currency on earth, <laughs> souls. And I just ask that you would help this family, the Pomparty family, uh, hear your voice, the Father's voice. You're a father to the fatherless that they'll sense uh, the very maternal nature of the Holy Spirit 
and that you'll open their hearts to trust in you when there's every reason to be bitter and angry. And I pray that you'll send your angel with these young people as they go to school and protect them. Uh, trip them up if they're going a direction they shouldn't. And I pray that you would guard the deposit that's been put in Dion's life, uh, that deposit of the Holy Spirit, since he made that decision. And I thank you for the Bayside Churches and their, their Christmas Eve ministry. I pray you'd give strength and protect the Brushweiler family. Anytime we decide to go on mission and bring hope, there can be some stress on the home. The devil doesn't like that. I pray you'd protect them and continue to use them in our community. In Jesus' name, amen. In just a moment, we're going to thank you, Elizabeth. Thanks for the courage to do this. In just a moment, <laughs> we're going to pass out communion here in just a moment. And uh, as we do, I want to reference in Acts chapter 27, this moment Paul had when he could see that there was hope in spite of the cliffs of Malta. Uh, Paul paused and, and Luke writes in verse 33, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you've been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You will need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. And he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. I love the language here. After he said this, he took some bread and he gave thanks to God in front of them all. It has that kind of Passover imagery where Paul is taking a moment and giving thanks. He's not just saying, thank you for the bread. He's saying, thank you, God, for answering uh, the uh, encouragement of the angel and giving us hope. And I hope Today, as you take the bread that is symbolic of Christ's body and the juice that is symbolic of his blood, that you can say, thank you. Thank you, God, for bringing me hope. If you've never made a decision to trust in Jesus, and today's your day, as the communion's being passed, I encourage you to uh, take the Connect card out that is inside of a program uh, and let us know. Give us your name and an email or however you want to be contacted, and we'll... Note that today was the day, check off the box, I dedicated my life to Jesus. You make that decision. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us hope. Thank you for bringing uh, this family hope. Help us all accept this mission of being hope bringers in Jesus' name. Amen. You can participate as soon as you're served.